sounds fun. Follow your cart. Get the ember. Love it. Right, and welcome to the Keyforge Premier League Weekly Part Two. Because uh, as you guys, know, no. as you guys know, I, I did uh, tell a couple people in different places that uh, me and Draskor have done this episode, and it, in irony, we got to the end of the episode, just getting ready to say goodbye, and it my computer crashed. So it was kind oh, of the data was corrupted. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. The data was corrupted. <laughs> it couldn't bring it back. The file was, was lost. Gone. We had to rebuild from start. Um, <laughs> and, and Do we pay a different company to build it, <laughs> this podcast for us? <laughs> yeah. So um, oddly enough, it was the podcast and this is the podcast we're about to do where we were talking about the FFG news and stuff. And obviously the first part of that FFG news was the fact that, there was an algorithm loss of data. Algorithms happen to uh, be kind of complex. And uh, Drascore had this wonderfully long uh, explanation <laughs> of algorithms that was actually interesting. So Drascore, I'm going to let you find a way to summary that because um, it was good. And like I said, I don't know a lot about about um, about algorithms, but I did read a couple articles, right. and it basically says that when you have algorithms and they are quote unquote broken, which th in this case they they specifically said there was lost data that basically um, happened. And then I think what happened was with that amount of lost data that happened, I think they just decided to rebuild the ar the algorithm, right? Like I think they basically mm -hmm. wanted to stop patching whatever break was in the algorithm and basically just start from scratch with people maybe who could do it a little bit better or whatever like you said but like uh give us your take on it yeah yeah so it's it's hard to know from what they said exactly what happened right but uh, from this article you know down but not out they they basically admitted that something went horribly horribly wrong well with with their code with their algorithm maybe with the data it, it's unclear as to if this data is seed data of some sort maybe some deck information that that the algorithm needs in order to run or what i kind of suspect is that the algorithm itself um is just inoperable at this point and i was you know putting together some conjecture on why or how this may have happened so i uh you know folks may not know this about me but i have a computer science background uh, i work in yeah, work in software, masters, masters of software engineering, all all these things, right? Uh, now, so so a bajillion different things can happen, but a common thing that can happen is that if you're you're a company that does themselves as a software company, as I'm sure Fantasy Flight does not, they probably didn't invest very highly in good developers, good practices, right? So I'm I'm guessing that. They probably just took the original pre-coda algorithm, if you will, from uh, Richard Garfield, mm -hmm. uh, which um, I think we have some references that he wrote some of the first chunks of code for it to generate decks and and come up with names. Right? He's talked about the the fun name algorithm that he he put together, and then FFG enhanced. Right? So um, I'm you know I don't think Richard Garfield is like a great software engineer. I'm imagine he just threw some code together. Who knows what language? I bet you it wasn't pretty code. Over in Archon Corner, they're building basically an algorithm, right? Like they started this project. Cool. And we should talk about that, but yes. In, in, the, last, <laughs> in the last couple of days, they, they, they put it out and stuff. But the, the key to, is, to, I think, to an algorithm from what I've learned, though, isn't really the initial... The initial algorithm, like when you're trying to get your initial goals and stuff like that, that's not necessarily, quote-unquote, the hard part, I think. Right. From what I've read, I think the hard part is maintaining the algorithm in such a way that it stays healthy. Right. Like, that yes, it it, exactly. That it doesn't get broken. Like it doesn't get basically brutal force pushed upon it that makes it quit. Right. Or mm -hmm. it, or like other things like that. Again, I'm talking out my butt. I don't really know anything <laughs> about this like you do, but I, I'm just trying to get clarification yeah, for, yeah. for the people that are listening. Yeah. So, so imagine this. Right. Imagine you have the early version of the program. That's not that hard to write. Right. And we'll do something simple. Right. And you put a conditional statement in there that says, hey, if 
you know, I don't know if it would, the algorithm wouldn't be written this way, but if the deck has shadows in it, then put an urchin in the deck, right? Else put, um, don't put urchin instead, put, um, I don't know, mother in the deck, right? So you can imagine that's, if that's the first version of the algorithm, you really only have two decks, right? Or two, two options through there, right? So imagine you want to enhance that over time, right? And you just keep adding conditional statements and the number of different options start to get larger and larger and larger. And there, there's actually, there's like a measure of this complexity in computer science called um, McGabe's cyclomatic complexity. And basically what that means is how many different paths through the code is there. And you can imagine that initially it's not too bad. Hey, I've got two different paths. Hey, I've got three, four, five. Like that's easy to keep on your brain. Now imagine you have hundreds of paths through the code. Okay, now you're trying to enhance it. Then you realize, hey, I need to make a change that affects paths 12, 27, 54, and 87. So how do you make that, right? Well, I guess you went into all those individual places, or maybe you tried to do it in a way where it impacted all those places, but not the other places. And then now it's getting into thousands of lines of code, right? And it's just getting more and more complicated. There are a ton of techniques you can apply to manage this complexity, but I bet you, Fantasy Fight doesn't have doesn't have folks uh, working on this who know of these things and who are really software engineers. I mean, you've already lost me, and I have no clue. <laughs> like, thing. I'm I'm guessing what you're saying is that you're basically making rules when you write an algorithm. That's what it sounds like. Mm -hmm. And so, primarily with rules, you're basically going, I need rule A to be A, and then later on mm -hmm. they said, rule now rule A and rule B. Now, if rule A happens, B can't happen, but if B happens, A could still happen. But then we have C, and then if C goes, blah blah blah, mm -hmm. and then you start overlapping all these rules till then yep. there's basically walls that get built because it can't. Yep like you're basically either the human input is incorrect or like the passing mm -hmm. is, is incorrect right and both things could right. cause a crash depending on what it is because i'm pretty yeah. sure that like the two types of algorithm that i learned about were kind of like one was like the bulk like what they did with um um code blue like uh or what was that called big blue big blue for chess right like in that one they mm -hmm. said is basically what we're talking about i think where it's like data 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 lots of data all the chess that's ever been played in the world basically um put into this computer with every possible mo motion and then basically it's taught to basically look for the patterns match the patterns play the right the right move right and um it was beautiful because it was only as good as the human input right like and then like if it was a beat it was because humans didn't have enough of the input getting put into it and it would hit like that what we talk about the brute force uh, limit and it would break like basically it would be beatable because it would make mistakes or it would no longer know what to do um and then mm -hmm. and then that evolved into the alpha go uh computer or whatever like one for the go um game and they made a, mm -hmm. a basically a version that basically basically instead of telling it a is b and b is c and blah 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 blah, blah and giving it direct things it gave it situations and it said Hey, if this happens and this happens, then you can do this, or you could do this, this and that. You figure it out, and then the computer starts running all the different variables and basically practicing against itself and practicing against other people, and it basically learned how to play the game almost artificially, right? Like artificial AI. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. I, I highly doubt that that's what FFG has. No, <laughs> so, <laughs> it's so. not. It's not. It, it's more of the first. It's heuristic based, right? It's. Um, but but Deep Blue is you know very complicated. But they've got like IBM had some really smart people building that thing, managing it, building it in a way where they could expand it, they could change it, they could improve it. I, I bet you Fantasy Flight didn't do that, and it's basically gotten to the point where they can't change it. They can't figure out how to make a change and have the effect they want in the algorithm without also breaking something else. Right. So so. They looked at this and they've tried, they probably tried for weeks or months and said, we just can't proceed. Um, plus, the algorithm already didn't do some stuff that they already wanted. Things like actually knowing where these icons are that they, <laughs> that they put on these cards, right? Was that a capture icon? Was it a draw icon? It seems like there's no record of any of these things, right? So all these problems in the system and um, uh, maybe... This was connected with the master fault delay. I, I saw that was somebody was um, uh, mentioning that when uh, Dark Tidings 
uh, Master Vault update was delayed, right? So remember, this generation algorithm has to connect with the Master Vault as well. So I, I think, I think it just they just couldn't make it work. Well, they also had they also had a difference of like the Q, not the QR. I guess it is the QR source code in mm. Dark Tactics. It's not exactly the same as it was in the other four sets. Like people noticed that, like on the cards and stuff, and how they were generating the uh, code. So like uh, they changed that too. So like there's like some big changes that happened that probably led to these things. And you know what? I'm gonna say this. Like this isn't us here saying and saying like, oh, they're you know they should have backed up their data. They should have done that and giving all these things because we don't really know what fully happened, right? We're speculating, and I think a lot of people are speculating. But I will give FFG this credit. They are the first people to try to do this. This is they are basically pioneering a new thing. There was bound to be some kind of hiccups and stuff along the way. I think COVID in some essence was a blessing to this game because it gives us it's given them more time to work on things and figure things out and stuff like that. So I'm giving them a pass on, on the algorithm. I, I forgive them for the algorithm because it's not really their <laughs> fault, I don't think. I think it's, uh, like I said, it's going to be a huge learning curve. And um, like I said, I don't know anything about it. So, like, I don't know how much. And I know programmers are probably like, oh, no, they're idiots or whatever, this and that. I think, <laughs> I, think, I, think, I, think I think that they're in a place where, like I said, like, they're experimenting. Like, everything they're doing is new, you know. And everybody's like, well, Soul Forge is coming. They're going to do it, too. And I'm like, yeah, but Soul Forge at least has a blueprint now from what happened with Keyforge. Right, and so and so and then so and then Soulforge's dynamics are not going to be Keyforge's dynamics. They're not going to be the same. Um, I think Soulforge is going to be a lot easier to do this with because they're going to have the like it looks like you're putting two halves of a deck together and that's it. Like whereas Keyforge, you have pips that are being added to cards. You have all different like kinds of variables and things like that. So um, I think they kind of by making the game as complex as they have and adding the little you know like the the unique factors we'll call like with the extra things that each card can do and things like that i think that's kind of where they got into the, their trouble but that was in the in the um in the in the what's the word i'm looking for here that was in the interest of making the game more complex right like making it more mm -hmm. playable and more fun to play so um yeah. i just don't think that um like well it, it happened right like it happened yeah Right, and and it, so I do think, as you know, a software guy, software is hard, right? There's a reason, you know, developers make a good, you know, decent amount of money. Like to do it well is, is not easy, right? To to do it poorly is is easier, <laughs> but to do it well is not super easy. Um, and and to build something that can last a long time at the enterprise level is hard. This was avoidable. Right, like I think, had they approached this like, "Hey, we want to make this enterprise level. Uh, we really want to to make it bulletproof." They could have hired and paid, you know, a team of developers who could, you know, I think could have. But um, you know, I a lot of companies don't think of themselves as software companies and have, you know, just these these programs running around that one person maybe knows how to maintain, and and uh, only that person can make changes to it, and it's. It's hard. Like there's some some um, <laughs> there's even some larger companies that that have some similar problems to this. So yeah, I think uh, um, it's it was avoidable, but it's understandable. <laughs> Maybe one, one one last tangent on this, and then we'll kill it, right? Because like uh, mm. like I think we we're both in the same mindset where it's like it happened, and like yeah, it sucks, but. The, the fact that they talked about it was huge, right? But there's also oh, yeah. there's also the idea behind this too that make maybe the the people who were coding it basically told them, yeah, we could do this, we could do this, and with good intention, but maybe they weren't as qualified to build it as FFG thought. And with FFG not being great at it, they basically took, you know, they you take a chance anytime you hire somebody, right? Especially in, mm -hmm. in IT. So like, and there's a lot of people out there in IT that think they can do everything, but maybe they aren't quite up to the task that they're they're billing right and so maybe like they were really good at putting down the root of all this stuff like you said but then when it got more complicated it got over their head right that's a possibility yep. like um if we're gonna speculate, sure. if we're gonna speculate we got to think that you know ffg was trusting somebody to do this and maybe um they just couldn't get 
it done once the game evolved a little bit right and so hopefully everything goes well with that um and we wish them like you know the best and we hope that everything goes well um but at the same time um it it, it was disappointing a little bit but at the same time mm-hmm. they said that there was the mistake and they said that they're fixing it i do really appreciate how they came out and talked about this right it, it wasn't certainly wasn't the news any of us wanted to hear but um but now i you know i feel better about it now right we were all wondering like why or or why are they not saying anything like why haven't we heard from them in forever why does it seem like nobody's doing anything with with this and and i think they were really scrambling try to figure out what to do with this thing and and they had to swallow their pride right and and i think um you know, when I first read the article, uh, I was like, "Oof, hiatus! That that stinks." But I I understand. I, I do think the um, the comments by some of the uh, employees, um, FFG employees, that on Facebook and various places, yeah, Discord helped quite a bit. Yeah, 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 both balance sheet and Aaron really. You know, I think they did a good job of like saying basically not seeing anything new (laughs) but they were displacing rumors as well though like yeah they said basically it was a loss of code so we know that Mm -hmm. and stuff and whatever and that they are rebuilding it from the ground up so it's going to take some time like and um Mm -hmm. i think a lot of people are being like dismissal of them going like and comparing it to other ffg things and i'm like i don't think that's fair either because this is not another ffg thing this is like something ffg actually owns and they and a key point in their in their release that a lot of people missed was that they admitted that they love and they really cherish this game and i think that a lot of people undersell that like i believe that ffg has always been behind this game it makes a lot of sense for them and like we've always said it's like it's a cash cow waiting to happen right with the digital client that's coming Uh now for you know that's a huge huge boost um and like i think that they do care and i think they're just trying to get it right um, and I think yep. that I, I think that by them telling us that was huge and then people saying, well, this game is dead. They didn't give us a timeline. They didn't give us a date. I don't think they want to disappoint us anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. We've had distribution mm-hmm. issues. We've had all these things that have happened because of COVID and stuff like that. And so they're trying to be as straightforward and honest with us as they can be without lying to us. And I, yeah. think, I think that's a huge um a huge move for them because that is not characteristic of what I've heard about other FFG things, right? Usually you get blindsided or it comes out of nowhere and stuff like that. And I think with this, it's like, I think they're trying to change over a little bit. They've had a lot of people change over and stuff. And so maybe the company philosophy with Keyforge, at least um, in our community, and like they, they realize what we want and what we, that we need to hear, but they don't want to like disappoint us more. So they're not going to give us a timeline until they know that timeline is set in stone. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, I can respect all that stuff. And I don't know, like maybe I'm being overly optimistic and and positive for them, but that's the way I choose to be. Right. And like, if you choose to be the naysayer and the hater and like, Oh my God, the game, blah, blah, blah. Like don't, don't bash the game and say all these bad things and then say that you're a fan of it. Like that doesn't make sense. Like like, it doesn't make sense to me. And it quite honestly, when I see the contradiction and stuff, it kind of just bugs me. Right. Like, cause I love the game of Keyforge. I was ready to quit the KFPL because like, I'm kind of, I was kind of burnt out and stuff. But when this all happened, I realized the community needs the KFPL more than ever. So I'm not going to quit the KFPL. I'm going to keep it moving. And then for those people who say that the, that Keyforge is dying, I have to say, um, the final swindle, Nordic Keyforge League, Australian uh, Keyforge League, KFPL, ABR, um, which is like on a break, but they're going to be back. You still have Coat running. Like, if you want to play Keyforge online, Arcon's Corner, or, we, every week, or, yeah. Or, or Arcon's Corner has like weekly in like uh, multi multiple day daily tournaments, mm-hmm. almost daily tournaments. Like, there's so much Keyforge to be played online. You're just not looking hard enough, or you're making excuses to not play. Yeah, TCO might not be the best, but it's good. It's it's plenty good. You just have to get used to it. It's just like anything else, right? You can't just hop on a bike when you're a kid and, and start riding it like a pro. Very, very few people can do that, right? So you learn TCO, you learn Tabletop Simulator, you learn whatever, wherever it is that you want to play a Keyforge, and you go through the growing pains, and then you get good, and then you start playing, right? Um, it's not perfect, no, but like, it's still Keyforge, and if you really love Keyforge, that's what you're doing. Hopefully, you're going and playing with friends and stuff again at tables and stuff, but... Um, at the same time, like, um, just stop with the negative. Like, the negative is getting old. And, like, the more you, you naysay on the game that is trying to be good to you, like, the, like FFG, I think, is trying to be good to us now. Like, 
the the like it just doesn't fit like it doesn't fit our community like we have too many good people and too many like people that are trying to do things for you um for that kind of craziness and like maybe that turns some people against me and that's fine i don't care um i'm just giving you my honest opinion of what it is yeah. and i think that yeah. if you can't be constructive in in the uh, event then just hold it don't say it like there's no reason um so. Yeah, you know, I think, and it's unfortunate. There's always going to be people who are, who are naysaying, but but I think with this news in particular, like it's hard news to hear, right? Now, one thing, so that I felt, right, because now we've re-recorded this episode, I I felt like a swing go on, and I think in some ways it matched my own reactions to this because I had that initial like, oh, right feeling of oh man this stinks but then as i thought about it more saw these posts i started to feel better and better as i'm talking with folks on various discords i'm just i'm just i don't know i'm just getting more positive like hey guys like we're gonna we're gonna regroup we're gonna relaunch it's gonna be great and i i've seen like a ton of chatter on on these various discords of of people being positive um as i think they recover from the shock <laughs> there was the initial shock and you saw that in posts but I think after that, there's it's it's been largely more positive. I think I think this is what happens in the Keyforge community, right? Like when we get a new set, everybody speculates what the best combos are going to be and stuff like that before they ever see the distribution and how the how the cards are going to be used, right? Sure. So, like uh, you know me, I'm that guy that's like real cautious about saying hey what it is because I like to see it and process it at full value. And quite honestly, with this thing coming out, like I, I took it a second and went wow that's kind of like, how does that make me feel, right? I didn't just make an assumption of how I felt. I said, how does it really yeah. make me feel? So I took the time to research algorithms. I took the time to look at things. I took a look at, you know, and, and, and figure stuff out. And then I realized, you know, FFG is doing a very good job of trying to change a little bit of the culture that they have been known for, I think, with this message. Like, it's a very good message. I think that they're holding back timelines because they don't want to disappoint us, like I said. And, like... In the end, we're going to hit a golden age with this game because, like, we're coming into the digital client with a new set that has awesome new-looking mechanics and things, supposedly. And from what I've heard of people who've playtested it and, and translated it and stuff like that, it's really a cool set. So I'm going to mm -hmm. take their word for it. Is it going to be Coda good? Maybe. Or are we going to keep comparing it? Maybe, maybe not. But another cool thing about this to think about is um, in Magic the Gathering, right, like to bring up an old horse. Um, in Magic the Gathering, in 1993, 1994, that was like considered its release, right? Um, a lot of the cards in that game sucked. A lot of the things in that game sucked, like uh, as far as like the power and like with the power nine and all these things and broken things they had, like the channel fireball kill you in one turn. Like the game was not perfect. Right. But it, it came through that it went through some sour times here and there, too, like where they had rough spots, like um, where um, things just weren't quite as good as they should be. Game almost died twice, but then got saved and stuff. But like it's still here and it's still being played. And like now you look back at those 93, 94 era cards and stuff like that, and they're hyper collectible. Mm -hmm. And they're hyper, hyper sought after. So for all you people dumping your coda and dumping your and dump, dumping all your decks and stuff <laughs> like that, you might be dumping like something that in the future, when Winds of Exchange come out and like the digital client hit, like we're going to talk about these in a minute. Like um, when all that stuff comes out and hits and stuff like that, we might usher in a golden era of Keyforge where all these new people come and start playing because now we have options. Now we have Vault Warrior. Now we have Vault Tour. Like now the interest is there and stuff, and they're going to go. You know what? We missed out on these sets. Right. And these are basically these are the history of the game now. Like these mm -hmm. old decks are the history of the game now. So having them could turn out to be something good for you in your trade or, or, or like your secondary market values there as well. Um, and sidebar for secondary markets. Right. I see a lot of people like hating on people for trying to sell AOA and stuff now because of the Ollie's thing. But like, honestly, like you either buy it or you don't buy it. Like it's that simple, right? The secondary market in, in Keyforge, and I've said this millions of times, is when I shake hands with you and we say good deal, bad deal, as long as when we shake hands, we're both good with what the arrangement was, it's okay. And if just because you don't want to pay more money for a deck than, than uh, other people, it doesn't make them right or wrong. So the um, I'm not a fan of the hate shaming and the things like that of, on that stage either. But at the same time, when you post something like an AOA deck and you try to sell it for $60 and somebody comes back and says, 
hey, I can get that at Ollie's for 10 don't be offended because they're telling the truth, right? Like, like it's if not you have Ollie's in your area, right? Sure. Right, right, right. Like, right. don't, don't, don't be offended that somebody's telling the truth about like where they can get product for a better price or whatnot, because that's KeyForge community looking out for KeyForge community. And quite honestly, you can just hold on to the product that you have if you have to sell it for the price you think is right, right? And like, and if it doesn't sell for that price, then you're probably overpricing it. But that's that's the nature of a secondary market. It's going to be pretty volatile and there's going to always be opinions. If you have the best price, nobody's going to shame you. Like nobody's going to basically quote unquote shame you. So just like that stuff on buy, sell, trade. If somebody posts something you don't agree with, just don't say nothing. Walk on. Don't waste your breath or time because um, it's not going to sell. There's things on DOK that are like marked for like three, three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000. Like they haven't sold. They've been there for years, like <laughs> for two years, like, you know, that's at, at crazy prices. Look at gasoline, mm -hmm. right? George puts it up there with the crazy price on it. It doesn't expect it to sell and it won't sell because it's, it's super high. Right. But if somebody was to offer it, I'm sure he would let it go. Right. Like, but there's always a chance. So, like you're basically fishing for the person who's going to pay the most for your stuff. That's secondary mm -hmm. market. And in this game, it's so unique because what I'm trying to sell you, nobody else has. Right. So, it's not quite the same sure. with the booster boxes sure. and stuff, but like you know what I'm saying. Like it's such a weird oh. secondary market. So Yes, yes. And soon, well, maybe not soon. At some point in the future, we don't know how far in the future. You know what's gonna be on the secondary market? Winds of exchange. Ooh, the winds of exchange. Should we talk about winds of exchange? Yeah, we should. You know what's the most yeah. you know what the most impressive thing about winds of exchange are? Um, tell me. I think it is the choice of FFG to have a set that has no shadows, no logos, <laughs> no mm -hmm. dis, no untamed. Yep. So they're all just blank cards in the box, right, Jupiter? That, that's what it is then, right? If there's none of those houses, right? They're, they're just all, it's all Maverick Toads. Well, when you look at the top of the meta, <laughs> when you look at the top of the meta and the way Keyforge has been known to be played, that's significant. <laughs> right. Uh -huh. So a lot of people online are already saying, well, this is going to be a horrible set. It can't be good. But again, <laughs> you're jumping a gun. You're not seeing what's uh -huh. been printed. You don't know how the houses are going to react. Maybe there's been an evolution in Brobnar. Maybe there's been the Martians have come back with new technology and now they're doing different things and they're being even greedier than before. Like, who knows? But um, I'm excited. For, I'm, for Mars. I'm, yeah. ex I'm excited because the game tells a story every set, and I'm excited to learn mm -hmm. the story. Like, Dark Tidings, I don't hate Dark Tidings. And quite honestly, Dark Tidings, I've seen it trash some really good Coda and really good Worlds Collide and Mass Mutations in the in the league this season. Um, and it can compete. Like, um, is it going to be like Vault Tour, like top, top of the tier, peachy, top, you know, competitive? Maybe. There's a couple of decks that probably will get there, but in all reality, how many top tier decks can there be in a in a in a world um, when you're talking about at the very top of the level, like the best of the best, right? There's only going to be a handful of decks that you can even put in that category, um, like sure. the, like the galaxies and stuff like that. You know, like those mm -hmm. are proven, right? But until something comes along and knocks them off, that's where they're going to sit. Um, it's kind of like you got to be beat the champ. Um, the other day on tabletop royale if you missed it go back and watch it uh for yesterday's um which yesterday being sunday sunday's cast um they light tasker finally lost and guess what it lost to uh dark tidings anyway. oh dark tidings okay <laughs> <laughs> right so there's a deck that's mm -hmm. been mm -hmm. on fire mm -hmm. and forgive or forget just wrecked justin yeah and um you know like you he was able they were able to now they, they like Nathan knows Light Tasker, and he knows how to dismantle Light Tasker, so it's sure. maybe not a fair fight. Like, Justin probably whips anybody else that isn't Nathan, because Nathan knows how Light Tasker works, like, as almost as good as Justin, probably. But at the same time, it still proves the point that Dark Tidings can compete. <laughs> like, like it can mm -hmm. put, up, it can put mm -hmm. up results, right? And that player skill matters a lot. Um, so, again, skill points on the game, right? But uh, in these wins of exchange... The yeah. Other, the other thing that's incredible is there's a new house coming. Yeah. Do we name the houses that are in, by the way? Uh, the name of the houses that are in would be, and I'm going off the top of my head since you put me on the spot, but uh -huh. be, go for it. It would be Sanctum Brobnar, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mars, mm -hmm. uh, Unfathomable, mm -hmm. um, Star Alliance, Sorian, mm -hmm. and a weird uh, disc. mystery house. It's like a dis. Uh, bubbled wing 
is what it looks like uh, with the clear kind picture of. that we've seen on Reddit. It kind of looks like a ring, or it could be a scale. It could be a dragon scale. Um, but like, because uh, we know there's dragons and stuff. But in all reality, it, I know one thing. Uh, mm-hmm. In the cast last time, we we speculated. Oh, it could be. <laughs> um, it could be the inspired because there's a lot like the symbol for the inspired is kind of like this like amber shard thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was pretty close, like pretty close, but not quite like not at all like what the clear image looks like um and then there was the skyborn which we were like uh maybe like you know it's a wing maybe they're just changing the symbol so maybe it's skyborn or something like that but today on facebook um i read from an italian trans person who did the italian translation for the game he said that he can confer that it is a brand new house it is neither skyborn Mm -hmm. nor inspired but uh, in our sleuthing, yes. in our in our craziness, uh, Jazzcore, I heard you have some news that I don't even know about yet that I want to. Hear. Oh, oh yes, yes. Well, well. Before I get into the the thing, I'll read this time. I'll just let the dear listeners know that you maybe the one part that maybe you should be less sad that you missed from our last podcast is Jupiter and I like peering at the tiny little pictures in the uh, in the RPG book, The Secrets of the Crucible, and talking about it and realizing there's watermarks and just arguing back and forth as to what house it might be but uh but yeah i think i think the uh um you're right it's a brand new house and if you look at the the cover of of this uh game or the box of this game right you see you see this purpley crab dude like adorned with jewelry or or something yesterday we said crab and that's where you're getting that from but guess tell me you don't see this now because i figured it out today when i was talking with uh, wookie a little bit about stuff but okay he is definitely like a rhinoceros beetle he could be a beetle yeah he looks like a rhinoceros beetle to me like with maybe stricter and stuff but yeah could be all right well well if if it's not a if it's not a crab, then then this next part. I'm gonna go with crab. I'm gonna go with crab. So okay. So <laughs> so I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Cubit Zirconium. So this is the Keyforge novel, the first uh, full novel, not the short stories, but this is the uh, with the Wibble and Plumiz investigation. So I've been reading this uh, with my kids, like it's bedtime. We'll read a chapter before they go to sleep. So tonight, right before we started recording. I read a passage that I'm like, ooh, is this a reference to the race on the cover of the book? Uh, or, or, excuse me, the cover of the game. So um, so in this section of the book, um, Wibble and Plumiz are getting on this this airship called, what is it, the um, Mahugan Air or something like that. Okay, so they climb on this airship. And uh, let's see here. Okay, so there's a little passage here. There is a power and holoport here, the large crab-like steward said, as he pointed out the amenities with a precisely manicured claw. And that's the only reference to this guy. Um, um, he says a couple more things, but but uh, precisely manicured claw. Like, look at this guy. Look at all his festooned jewelry, crab-like I don't know if that's a claw, a small claw over on the right, but maybe. So maybe it's a crab. Maybe, maybe. And then they get in this airship, which let's see, it quickly it reaches cruising altitude and accelerates smoothly to a supersonic speed. So that's like winds of exchange trading. Maybe a stretch. I don't know, or or maybe a hint. What do you what do you think? Page 166. I don't have that book, so I have to order it. I forgot that I didn't know. <laughs> um, but um, that sounds interesting, right? But it doesn't really mm-hmm. give us a lot of the thing. But there you go. Like, no, it's the first not a lot of detail. Mention, like a first mention of this species, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, like even if it was a, like a rhinoceros beetle or something like that, it would have like a, a, like a claw, like not a claw like appendage, but like, you know, those legs that they have, like the arachnid kind of leg. I got to Google these know. guys. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it's like a beetle, like, like one of those like. I would say like a not quite a rhinoceros beetle, but like rhinoceros beetles have like the horns and stuff, and he had like those like intricate like curves and stuff. Yes. I was, was kind of into mm-hmm. the idea of what that would, but it does. It definitely has like the beetle like body type thing. Hmm. It could. It could be. It could be a kind of a beetle type thing. I'm actually now that I'm looking at this thing in in Google, I I remember we were at a uh, a museum in chicago and uh there was an insect section and this like collector had gotten like a bajillion of these things and it kind of freaked my wife out but uh 
I thought it was kind of cool, but I could see where it's freaky. But yeah, uh, yeah but in the end, um, Winds of Exchange I think is going to be one of the most anticipated and fun sets I think we get in a, like like uh-huh. in Keyforge period. Like um, it's going to change the game up just in the basis of how the game is going to be played by the way that the houses are defined. Like uh, mm-hmm. by losing all the things that you're used to crutching on, like I think that's going to yeah. make people like wider in their thoughts and how they play the game. Um, is it going to be better or not? Maybe, maybe not. Like I know the people who are set in Coda ways are going to say, no, it's never going to be good like Coda, right? And like it's never going to be the best. <laughs> but um, in the end, like I think that uh, the fun factor of this set, regardless if it's great or not, whether it's AOA Dark Tidings good or if it's like super competitive, you know, Mass Mutations World Collide Coda good. Um, in the, in the end, I think the set is going to be a success because A, it's going to be anticipated. We're going to want to see it. B, it's going yep. to bring us into the game. And they're coding for it. So, like, we're going to get this in digital, yeah. maybe. Like, you know, maybe it all comes at the same time. And, like, what a Christmas yeah. gift. Like, no matter what time of the Probably. year. That's no, no matter what kind of time of the year it is. That's, like, the Christmas gift that keeps giving. Um, yeah. B, so, I do wonder okay. with these houses, right? So, uh, I think the one thing that some folks are worried about, and I can see the concern, right, is... Will there be enough efficiency, right, without Logos? Logos is such a heavy um, contributor of efficiency to to sets, right? A lot of decks, right? But without Logos, I don't know. Between Mars has some efficiency, Star Alliance has had some efficiency, right? Between those, will you get a bunch? Between these crab or and or beetle race i don't know will they have efficiency i don't know you said like you said it looked like a, a wing a little bit a, like a jeweled wing maybe they'll be flying around with efficiency i don't know maybe so maybe the efficiency will be more spread around so you don't quote unquote have to have logos not that you necessarily have to have logos but some people you know pl- play that way so maybe this will give you more options i don't know i don't know maybe not <laughs> um but uh i'm i'm real interested to see what comes of of potential of efficiency spread around and and just the potential of so many super beefy houses and what that might mean mm-hmm. uh assuming that you know it's not a world's collide brobnar situation there's plenty of good brobnar uh before that um and we've had good versions of these other houses so we'll, so we'll see we'll see yeah, I just think I, I just think that this, the, like I said, I think the set is gonna like kind of break the mold and make people think in a different way. Um, mm-hmm. I think uh, it's gonna be a good thing for the game because like I I know there's plenty of decks out there that are really good, and um, they basically the, the mold um, will definitely be wide open. And whereas though we have the galaxies and these other decks that have been doing really well, like the pink frauds and stuff like that, whatever, the uh, overall sample size of our community is still pretty small. So like the amount of decks that show up at the vault tours are, um, I think they're pretty consistent, right? Like a lot of the same decks are going to the same thing places and uh, basically playing. So like the, the pool is kind of like seen, right? Like, and it's a little bit thing. So if the game explodes, like we hope, right. And it gets Mm -hmm. like, it's much bigger. Um, a lot more different players and play styles are going to start showing up. A lot of different decks are going to start having different kinds of value. Um, and in the end, I think that you won't like you won't see many people like win with the same deck multiple times uh, anymore. Like I, I think that like uh, as the game grows, that it'll get bigger. Um, there are going to be like the exceptions, like the pink frauds of the world and the gasoline maximus in the right hands, like in the right pilot's hands. But uh, again, they are kind of living the Garfield dream for this game. Whereas um, their pilots that have these decks and they basically pilot them like, you know, religiously like it's like it's like they that huh? is the deck they play and like so you know that when you see george you're probably gonna see gas max and guess what huh? even after errata he's still winning with it because he knows everything about it and he knows how to play it and it's a deck that you don't encounter very often so um here's a meta shift talk right let's do like a quick thing here like uh, on the side um for you uh-huh. to think about this is like food for thought and then you give me your response on what you think of, of this statement um uh-huh. this i'm gonna say SAS kind of has brainwashed people into thinking what, and I don't mean this in a in a bad way, but I'm saying they've they've made you look for things that have been good and like they they're good on the average. <laughs> so everybody has gotten into this like core idea of what is great. Um, what do those decks usually struggle against? Um, are things that are fringe that people don't see coming, or they're things that they don't see very often? Because like, how many times have you seen somebody playing a pretty powerful deck, but somebody playing something like just kind of off the wall that has like a weird angle to it, like a whirlpool deck or something, or a restrictor Guntus kind of deck, like, and they just come in the, and they like just mess them up completely. 
mm-hmm. because they're just not used to playing against it, right? We know how to play against Logos. We know how to play against Dis. We know like what we're doing with those guys, and because we know we're gonna see multiple Infernuses, we're gonna see Igors, we're gonna see like blah blah blah. Like there's plenty of cars in all those houses. Untamed, we know Untamed is gonna spike for Amber to make a key. That's like what they do, right? So. When you have to play against that, you're familiar with it. You know how to play it. And I think that when you throw curveballs, like somebody comes in with a good Brobnar deck, like that Brobnar deck does pretty well because like people just don't understand what's happening with it. Like that's how I feel because like when I went to my prime, Inca is a completely different kind of deck. Like it doesn't play along the rules of what was at the time the regular way to play Keyforge with dinos and with like, you know, all the Russian things uh-huh. like that. And um, I punished people for not knowing what to do against it, you know, and, and for them basically going, well, he has no Amber control, so I could just, you know, throw up what I want to throw up. But the problem with that is, is like my deck is just as fast as them for making. It's a, basically a weird rush deck that has a lot of disruption. So like when we start that foot race and you're trying to race with me, I can basically disrupt your amber production while continuing to push my amber production that's huge um so like i really liked inca at the time um i don't think inca would do well now like um i think some things have come out with mass mutations and with um you know dark tidings that make inca a harder matchup but inca is still a really Mm -hmm. good deck and it's still like i said it's a fringe deck it's like on the wing so um and it did, really good in, it did really good in Albany, too, where there were a lot of nice decks. Like, I beat a lot of decks that were doing the whole, like, Logos Dis Untamed or Logos Dis um, Shadows. Shadows. Like, um, so, mm-hmm. like, like I, I played against, like, the first three rounds that I played in Inca, I played against those kind of decks. Like, you know, and uh, I, beat a, I beat George, who had a triple Hunting Witch deck. Like, you know, like, I, I, I because I've seen them, and I get to play against those because that's what people are are, are saying are the best of those houses right but uh mm-hmm. familiarity gives me an advantage because you don't really know exactly where i'm going with mine it's kind of like the light tasker nathan thing right like nathan knows how to play against the light tasker but put that dark hiding deck in anybody else's hand against justin playing light tasker my bets on justin like I, I don't think m- many people would play it as well as nathan did because like they said on their stream like sometimes like it looks like a suboptimal play is actually just the right play because he knows you're setting he, something up right you're you're positioning yourself yeah 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 so if you didn't catch that stream i highly go, I suggest you go watch it nathan played a great game um second game light tasker did light tasker things it wasn't very fair to nathan but like um the other two games like uh forgive or forget really just was crushing on uh <laughs> justin so mm, uh, mm. But, like it happened there's a new a new, a new tabletop royale uh, champion <laughs> if you haven't caught that man fight nights are the, are the best and they actually have a, a, a guy doing like like introductions to the decks and stuff now oh do they now yeah, oh that's cool yeah, it's like yeah, a, it's the... thing i hadn't heard so like uh when i heard yeah, it, i was like that is check so it out great. again yeah they got a great <laughs> they got a great production now it looks it looks really great so go check out tabletop cool. royale cool. yeah and i do i do like personally i like to play a lot of different decks i like to try decks with weird things in them and try to make it work and try to fit it together semi-competitively i think i think that's a fun thing so i i'm looking forward to exploring winds of exchange mm-hmm. so i guess the last talking point about this ffg release is uh-huh. games um yeah, yeah, yeah i'm actually super excited about that because this is the digital client we've all been praying for and asking for forever um and they finally said it's coming like they basically wouldn't have said it if it wasn't true right like if some people are like, yeah. they're just blowing smoke to make us you know <laughs> I was like, they have nothing to gain by by lying about it, right? Um, secondly, if you go to Stainless Games' website, which I've told people this already before too, but if you go to their site, there's actually a slot slated there for a coming CCG. They named mm-hmm. it a CCG oh, on the homepage. Yeah, because they don't they don't they don't know better that it's not actually a CCG because they just see it as cards, right? That's what happens because they're not card players they are you know the game players they are coders now this goes back to what we were talking about with the algorithm and stuff is like they're going to a place that has a track record and a reputation for building a great game and they already know how to deal with card games because they've built four different games for magic and all the games were very good um they were very well um you know designed and they were very interactively fun like they were great so i could see there being like keyforge adventures uh quests i could see them doing like you know they i could see them doing all kinds of different things with um the game as far as like you know options and stuff so i have no doubt that stainless games is going to knock it out of the park 
Um, Call of Discovery talked about, a little bit about them too, saying that they're actually a British company, so that makes them automatically going to do a good job. Yes, Ed, Ed did say that, yes. Yeah, yeah so, <laughs> so if you haven't checked out Call of Discovery, uh, go listen to that too, because uh, they had a really good, uh, you know, quick reaction to it, like uh, a turnaround. They did a short basically a short episode yeah uh, we, is, we tried we tried <laughs> yeah we tried but ironically yeah. our algorithm failed us um hopefully we get through this one like hopefully it doesn't oh, do gosh, it again. still jinx it <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah okay. but um so Ooh. i'm excited about stainless games i'm excited about a digital client and like the versatility that it could bring um hopefully mm-hmm. we get a use for our amber shards and our keys right like that would be really sweet i'm guessing that that's a little bit what's in their head, right? We have all these amber shards we've accumulated, like it, because because there's going to be digital stuff, right? There's going to be physical stuff. Not yet clear how those things connect. This could be a cool way to use one for the other, right? Hey, I've got a bunch of physical decks now. I can use my shards or or the digital keys to get something in in the digital game. Now, um, what what we don't know um is hey what <laughs> how are these decks going to cross over or are they right are decks going to be either entirely physical or entirely digital or can a deck be both digital and physical i have full 1000% um confidence that you're going to be able to get both physical and digital like it'll be both together like i think I don't know how they're going to do it. That's speculation. I don't know how, but I, there's no way that they're going to take away the physical game because they're still a part no, of the game. No, 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 no. I, I totally agree. So, totally agree. And I, I think that the QR code will just play a big part of that. And then, again, yeah. the things they could do are just um, are kind of interesting, too, and hopefully they come up with some cool ideas. But, like, yeah. like one idea I would have for it is, like, um, let's say there is a system where you can go in, right, and spend shards to buy decks, right? So you buy, mm-hmm. the, you buy these algor- you, you buy these decks, and, like, ideally these decks would have a place in the warehouse kind of thing. Um, right like i would assume that they would be there in like in some kind of uh, organized system and then or they print it on demand maybe i don't know if you buy it but but like i'm thinking like though like like as you play right like the more games you play online or the more decks you get online like that they could put like on your personal account they could build a queue and like basically Uh they could say like when you hit 12 um which is a good number for small uh, flat rate in the u.s 12 Uh uh, 12 decks we will mail them to you we'll ship them to you And then, like, basically, yeah. you pay the little bit of extra shipping every time you pay for the tournament. But, like, in the end, they get to, they get, to, they're going to sell, they're going to send it at a cheaper rate because they're a company, right? Like, they're going to have better mail rates and stuff. But, like, uh, it's not going to feel bad because, like, you're going to pay, like, you know, basically MSRP for a deck and get a tournament and a deck out of it. Like, yeah. that, that would be fantastic. Um, but, like, I can't speak on that. That's speculation as well. That's right. the thought if you're listening, FFG. Um, yeah. Oh, I hope there's a way to do that, right? Because I, yeah, it, it's, I agree. It's pretty clear you're gonna be able to go physical to digital. It's the it's the inverse, right? It's it's if I buy a digital yeah. deck, mm-hmm. how easy would it be to get the physical version of that? I personally would want the physical versions of ones I like, right? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe yeah, maybe, like maybe they put maybe they put a, maybe they put a bin or trash option on it. Like where they, mm. where they say, okay, this deck is there, and like, and then when you get to twelve decks, we'll ship them to you. But if there's a deck you really just don't want, just hit the trash option, and they yeah. they never print it. And then when you get yeah. to the twelve decks that you're supposed to get, then you put them in, and you basically get them printed out. Or if they already have yep. them printed out, you, you get them. But I think printing them on demand would be super smart. But uh, I don't know how yeah. I don't know how feasible that is. Yeah. With, yeah. Um, I mean, if it were more expensive, like I would do, like so. Imagine you paid, I don't know two or three bucks for a digital deck, but then to get it printed and shipped to you, it was 20 or 25 bucks. Right. And you were a little more selective. Like, like I, I could see that working, right? I don't know. So, I don't know if, you know, financially it would work for them, but yeah, I'm guessing for that to happen though, to, to be realistic, like they would have to be able to create like a database, right. In which, like, <laughs> like, like, in which uh, that's not a joke or a pop. A pop. Have- have good code <laughs> they, they, they would have to create a database where they basically had skeletons of all the cards to print on demand mm-hmm. and then they could basically mm-hmm. just type in the qr code with the cards and which cards they need to just auto print them out and basically give mm-hmm. a name to the deck right but for sure. that to happen like to play online you'd still have to have all that information already so it's like yep. almost like they'd have to queue up the deck in the print like go, gonna print this now in the queue and then if the person decides to trash it they just remove it from the queue 
Mm-hmm. And then they can reset that name even and save the name and yeah. put it on another deck maybe or yep. whatever. So like, I don't know. Like, there's a lot of things they could do. I don't know what is practical and what is like something they can actually obtain. But like, sure. there there seems like there could be a lot of cool options depending on how it goes. Um, yeah. But but in all reality, I think if I had to pick how it's going to be, it's going to mm-hmm. be that there's going to be physical copies of every deck first, and then they would get in, 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 you know pushed into the game via. Um, you know, stainless games or whatever else. So that, yep. that's, that's where I think, I think that there's gotta be a, um, you know, there's gotta be a physical deck before, uh, they start trying to play it online because if it was, that's possible, it would be a little bit harder. Like it would be, really yeah, it will be harder to buy, to generate, um, you know, purely digital decks. Like they might do something like they did with Coda where there's a bunch of, like, if you just download the game for free, let, let's just say for free you can down download the app and it comes with a few stock um decks which are the same for everyone sort of like they with the code starter box but then like hey here's a link to buy some decks and you can scan them and now you've got decks right and that way it's always all decks are always both digital and physical maybe that's a thing they'll do who, who knows who knows I don't know. Like, there's just too much speculation. I don't like to speculate, but like, uh, I like the idea that oh, we we love to speculate. Playing. Yeah, I mean, we speculate, but like, I, I don't put it in stone. I just give it. It's yeah, a, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. An opinion, yeah. right? Yeah. So, um, well, and I think the, speaking of speculating a little bit, I think we, maybe we should dress slightly more, uh, just because I think some people were looking at the wording of what they were said, and and they say basically they intend, uh, they confirm the intention that they're going to do this, right? But but and. You mentioned Call of Discovery. They actually did a pretty good job of, of of sort of stating how companies don't, in general, announce things uh, in terms of partnerships unless it's for real, right? Because, um, um, you know, there's especially if it's a publicly traded company, there are significant penalties if if you go and do stuff that's seen as like manipulating the stock price or whatnot. Um, and and companies are, are very careful about what they say. And uh, you know, I know the company I work at. Like, I'm working on this big partnership thing, and we're not telling anybody about it right until we're ready, right? Because it's 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 a big deal, right? To 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 announce these things. And once we say here it is, right? I know the PR that's going to come out not too long in the future, hopefully, is really not going to give all the details because we're not ready to release all those details, but we know a lot more things than than we can release publicly because we want to make sure we're comfortable and confident with uh, with what we say and what we release. Well, also, too, though, um, I think the reason they use the word intent is because, like you said, like I think they're in the process of finishing this deal. Obviously, Stainless Game has not... Uh, they have not put a... Um put a piece on it yet like they haven't uh, said their part of it yet so i'm guessing that they're in the very final stages of negotiation like getting things set to, um. to the, both companies and um they just don't want to like if something happens in the deal and, the, and then like all of a sudden stainless is just like yeah we're out which I doubt because they put they put their name on it, right? Like they put their yeah. Name on it. So I'm guessing that they're at a point now where they're very comfortable with the idea that this partnership is is, is pure and it's moving forward. They're probably just ironing out the small details, right? Yeah. Or they, they may well have a signed contract, and but there's exit clauses, and they you know they they don't know when these things are going to be released. So there might be something in the contract about hey we can't you know we can't talk about releases because maybe I, I don't know about stainless reputation but but maybe they feel very strongly hey we don't want to say xyz until we can you know get to such and such state right so there's two parties involved here so who who knows what reasons they could have for uh um for wanting to say things in certain ways but but i think the fact that there's this announcement and they um um they very purposely got themselves to a position where right they could announce all these things mm-hmm. um right before Gen Con, <laughs> so Gen Con's about to happen, right? Because they, I think they knew that if they didn't say anything at Gen Con, like really speculation would start to get wild. So I think now they've got it under control. People are excited about the digital app, which I, I think will release at the same time of Winds of Exchange, probably. So it's probably a ways out. People are sad about the, the algorithm being broken, but I don't know. I think I, I'm feeling a lot of positivity. I'm feeling... I'm feeling like we're we're gonna be good, and it's gonna come back. It's gonna be even bigger and better. What's well, new day? Yes, it is. Wrestling, mm-hmm. but uh, <laughs> we all feel good. It's all about the feel goods, right? Um, but like uh, anyway, 
Yeah, so, like, I really just think that, like, again, like you said, they were just kind of getting it, so, because they didn't want another Gen... Like, they didn't want Gen Con going off and, like, Keyforge people basically doing, like, a um, yeah. a Wall Street uh, sit-in on them during <laughs> their other games. So, like, because um, there's been people <laughs> that are basically just getting, going to other Done games that. and going, yeah. hey, what about Keyforge? And that's mm-hmm. not fair to the other games, right? So, they probably yeah. just, like, let's yeah. give these guys, like, the truth, like, let them know where they're at, because, obviously, they're, like... They understood that by seeing other things in motion and us getting nothing, that mm-hmm. it was just making us feel feel like they abandoned us, right? Like the the naysayers were getting stronger. They're like eating their vitamins, going, "Yeah, the game is dead." <laughs> right? Vitamins, and like, you know, like basically trying to get us to uh, you know to to buy off on this negative energy, but. Thank you to all the community that have stayed positive through it. Thank you to the people mm-hmm. who are still playing. Um, TCO does not look like it's taking a hit. Like, I still get games. So that's awesome. I know TCO is committed to the cause. Like I said, there's all the different groups that we mentioned earlier. Swindle, Nordic, Australian, AVR, Archon's Corner, KFPL. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. there's, uh, like, Time Shapers. I, I forgot them earlier. Sorry, Aurora. But uh, they all have leagues. Kagi is is a new league in the in the same uh, in the realm with the Sanctimonious uh, Discord. So mm-hmm. like there's just all kinds of it and stuff. And and I'll give you a a, a quick thing. Uh, Karen um, over at Swindle, she's putting together like um, you know a new team league for after when Coat goes away. So even though we're losing quote unquote Coat, she's just picking it up and and, and keeping it going. So it's not like Coat is going to completely disappear. It's just going to shift to a new person running it in like their own style so like there'll uh-huh. still be a team event and it's gonna be awesome and guess what she's building a great media group so far like um i'm part of it like i'm there and i was excited to see all the different faces in there and stuff and like we're all gonna have our own roles and stuff this is the dream that we've been trying to do with media forever so like it's all just seeming to come together really well um and i'm excited because i'll be doing the recording for them um like one game a week kind of thing and just doing like a, a, an analysis and stuff for them um, and you know we're gonna have art and like it's gonna be uniformed. It's gonna be wonderful. It's gonna be super good. So um, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's, a, that's a spoiler for After Coat 10. Um, don't be sad. Like I said, like for all the naysayers <laughs> going, oh look, code ended. Well, there's there's somebody picking it up. Um, and, mm-hmm. like, and that's what happens in the community when something goes away, somebody else picks it up. Um, I know Cloggin has things in the work too. Like he's always busy, like uh, trying to make oh, yeah. new events and things like that too. So um, we'll we'll see what comes of that. Um, but in the end, like there was also a uh, there was a, a a small announcement about uh, something really cool going on in, in one of the discords today. I don't I don't know if you noticed this. So, um, in uh, so in Archon's Corner, there's a there's so there's a Wednesday sealed event, uh, PBG Wednesdays with Lokar, and uh, Lokar posted an image. And if you guys like prizes. And he has a prize wall for his Wednesday games. He posted an image of a box. And inside that box is no less than six fuzzy Gruens that he has now added to his prize wall. I have no idea how Lokar has gotten these. But uh, if you come to Wednesdays and play Seal the Lokar, you can eventually, I don't know how many, how he's going to do it exactly, but you can get yourself uh, a fuzzy Gruen. So, like, that's pretty cool that's pretty cool oh shit i gotta play again oh you're typing in the channel right now let's <laughs> look at the image <laughs> you, say you gotta play yeah i'm gonna type here too i got to figure out how to play wednesdays because i'm often there tuesdays sometimes sundays wednesdays is a little early for me just with my family schedule yeah. Um, he does, but, uh, he does, he does yeah. go a bit early. That's the hard part for me. If it was like another hour later, like kind of like at the, the same time as sheeps, it'd be easier. But I'm yeah. Gonna find but it's way. different for everyone, right? He gets he gets folks that uh, can only do earlier, so yeah. so it's all good. Well, I did I did uh, I did get my um, the Lord Invidious playmat from him, which is something I was actually seeking. Mm. So I was happy. Yeah. Nice. Now, now my store has more, and I want to win them, but um, mm. we haven't had an event yet, so um, right. But very nice. But I guess one last teaser I'm going to put out too here is Ooh, um, okay. uh, my uh, my LGS is moving to a old Pier One Imports store. Um, okay, they're basically getting this huge play for it, play 
play floor area now. Um, nice. They plan, are basically planning to populate and stuff like that. And um, that is a good news for us because I'm yeah. in the talks about them, about doing our own, like, um, you know, a tournament, like a big tournament for mm-hmm. Keyforge. So um, there's a Ooh. teaser. There's a teaser for you. Um, if you're in the uh, central New York area which could be canada all the way down to pennsylvania maybe even maryland is, is like obtainable maybe virginia i don't know how far people would drive or fly fly to it but um hopefully um in probably quarter one or quarter two um the store will buy off on the idea of us running a big tournament um and mm-hmm. it, i still have to sell it um i do have like people that are going to assist me in this venture i believe um, I won't quote or say who or what, but um, I believe that uh, it's going to happen at some point. I just have to get the details. But there's a good hinter for you yep. guys that want to play live games and play awesome. in bigger events. Um, it, and it's in New England, so um, I know a lot of the places mm-hmm. usually are out in the middle of um, the U.S. Mm-hmm. or on the West Coast. We have Kansas City coming, right, Yeah. in October. Yep, yeah, yep. Can, yeah, the Kansas City is going to be there, yeah. Um, that, that should be fun. I wish I could travel to it, but that's even farther driving than... It would have been to go to Milwaukee, so I thought it would be closer, mm-hmm. but for some reason it's not. I guess it's because it's down like <laughs> south southwest instead of just west. Because distances. Distances, yeah, states. <laughs> you know, you, you know what the problem is. The problem is that the Jetsons lied to us. If we had teleporter tubes, we would just be like there in an instant, and we'd be happy. Like we could mm-hmm. zoom out, like be like you know space like super uh, awesome space like cars like floating cars mm-hmm. that just drive over all the terrain directly make the so how did they lie to us yeah, they, they lied to us because they said that was supposed to be like 2000 like when they first drew that car- cartoon they oh got, is that what the, I, I yeah i didn't realize they said it was gonna already happen yeah yeah and the 2000 stuff the jetsons man they're old as dirt man mm. it's kind of like the back to the future like talking about flying cars yeah. and stuff in 2014 i think right or yeah, 2014. It was 12 or 12, 14, 14, 13, yeah. somewhere in there, somewhere in there. Yeah. yeah, but none of that stuff was real. Damn you, Hollywood. You usually make things happen. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nah, just kidding. But um, yeah, so I think that's the show. Um, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully it yeah. doesn't die on us right now as we say goodbye. But Yeah, better be uh, sign off and save the darn thing. <laughs> but um, with that said, uh. I am Jupiter from Manlius, New York, a.k.a. the Fifth Planet at Keyforge, and I say I'll catch you on the flip side. And this is Dradscore. Happy forging, everyone.